You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Jarvis, welcome home. I am Iron Man. You think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Who the hell are you? Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. Tech Fan Podcast number 300. And for our 300th show, David and me are going to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is 300, folks. I was saying this is the 300th episode of Tech Fan. Hey, congratulations, David. We made it to 300. Still the new show. I wonder which one of us has actually done more of these because there was times that it was just Owen and I. There was time that you did solo shows. Probably pretty close. Yeah. It's, I, it's probably around about even, yeah. I'd say. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've in, in the grand scheme of things, you've didn't done many more podcasts than I ever have. Oh, but I mean, tech fans specifically, this yeah. this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably because I, I have not done 300 episodes of Tech Fan. No. Neither have you, because we both, no. you know. I, did you and Owen, you and Owen did shows, just the two of you, too. We did, a couple yeah. of times, yeah. and a couple of other people as well I've done solo shows with. Mm-hmm. And I've had Weird. a couple of people over on the show without you before, and I've done a yep. couple of solos. You've done a couple more solos than I did. Um, but. Here we are, three hundred episodes. That's that's not a small accomplishment. It's not, and um, you know we still love doing it. Uh, we still look forward to doing it every week. So long may it continue. Well, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna do a look back on all the episodes or anything like that. We're we're moving forward. We want to kind of treat it like a regular show, but this is going to be kind of a regular show because. Um, the majority of our conversation this week is going to focus on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, David, we already did the DC Cinematic Universe, and the Marvel discussion did kind of creep in on that episode as well. But yeah. before we get to all of that, let's take care of a little bit of uh, from last week and some feedback and uh, talk about our sponsor and that sort of thing. That way we can kind of get into the Marvel thing and... And not have to have a hard break somewhere. Yep. So let's start with our feedback. And uh seems like last week's show generated quite a bit of feedback for us. Yeah, it seems to be that um, that everybody enjoyed the Nintendo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, John Nemo, who, who's um, one of our contributors over at MyMac and does all kind of the review stuff for um, management of MyMac, sent in a, a comment. He likes to listen to the show and then feed directly back to us straight away so he said you two crack me up listening back to that to the extended long very forever long back and forth about nintendo in last week's show i listened to you all the way to work and all the way back and you never changed the topic and you never agreed and you're still in the stalemate as far as i can tell great podcast every week <laughs> i think that means he enjoyed it yeah, i think so <laughs> yeah that really wasn't so yeah um yeah i we i we just weren't going to agree. And I actually listened to last week's show back as well. 
mm-hmm. and w- neither one of us really came off our position. And I listened to some other shows. Some of them are video game related. And one I, I barely listened to. Um, I, I don't want to give names, but I missed like seven out of eight episodes. <laughs> and then I go, oh, I'm going to listen to this show. And then I just listen to the latest one. I don't go back and listen to the ones I missed. Yeah. And they, the big topic was what we talked about with Nintendo uh, ceasing production on the NES Classic. And on this show... There's like four hosts. Three of them thought it was a stupid idea that they were leaving money on the table. And the other one pretty much was taking the same tactic I was. And the funny thing was the three guys who thought it was stupid are all relatively new to video game, uh, at least journalism in the video game market within the last five years. And then the other one had been doing it since the mid nineties, almost exactly how long I've been doing tech stuff. And I thought it was, ironic that you know the roles reversed here but or shows reversed here because they're a video game show and we're just a general tech show but the gray beard in the in the audience was like me yeah <laughs> as, at least as far as experience of, of covering it and talking about it and writing about stuff like this and uh the the younger guys are like this is this is stupid why why would you discontinue a product that that's still in good demand and of course, we don't know, mm. you know, sales on this thing. Nintendo's notorious for not releasing anything. Who knows? So we don't know that. It just it seems like the demand is high. So why would you cancel a project that has high demand? But maybe in Nintendo's world, the demand was just minuscule. We don't know. But yeah. they all agree, and one of them has inside sources that says yes, Nintendo is releasing a a Super Nintendo version, an SNES. Uh, and then they, of course, they started talking about the whole, well, some people, especially in the UK, call it the SNES, or the SNES. SNES, yeah. that's right. They yes. don't do that, because it's a terrible name. They don't do that here. I must admit, I, ne- I was never particularly thrilled about no, that. No, it's horrible. People calling it SNES, I think it was pretty horrible. Yeah, it's but, terrible. Um, the, it's interesting, the Super Nintendo was, uh, really, I think, before the PlayStation came along, was probably one of the biggest consoles ever. Oh, no question. I, I, I think yeah. that outside of the PlayStation 2, it has the best library of games. The SNES yeah. was a fantastic console. It just was. Yeah. So um, I, I imagine demand for a, a kind of a cheap cut-down games version of that is going to be pretty high. Well, I hope that Nintendo makes plenty of them this yeah. time. Yeah, that's my and, – and more than just like 30 games on it. Put a hundred games on it. Who cares? Mm. You know. Yeah. Well, you know what? They'll probably put thirty because they'll sell yep. them anyway. Yep. <laughs> and look, there's going to be some licensing nightmare. Some of the very best games on the SNES was not Nintendo uh, owned. It was third party yep. stuff. So, I, I, you know what? It's going to be interesting. I, I'm in for it. I'll buy one. No question. Yeah, absolutely. And my, uh, uh, my wife had a Super Nintendo, and um, she was still playing it all the time when I met her, and that was just before. That was 98, so um, I'm sure she'll be all over this. She was kind of mildly interested in the NES Classic, but that wasn't really her era. But mm-hmm. um, she was, as I recall, she was a big Kirby fan on the Super Nintendo. So. That's a good game on the SNES. Yeah. That's a really yeah. good game. But there's a lot of stuff on it. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I would be interesting to, to learn more, but... I'm content to wait because I, quite mm-hmm. honestly, I've got all those games on my RetroPie. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like oh, I, I can't wait to I play find, them. I finally managed to extract that huge image. Yeah, 
So, so hopefully in the next week or so, I should be able to get my uh, retro pie up and running. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. I really am. Uh, but yes, Dave, uh, John, you're right. We did not agree. It was heated at times, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, everyone agreeing on the size boring. Yeah, I agree. I, well, actually, you're, you're completely <laughs> you <disagree>. wrong. <laughs> I can't believe you would say some stupid <laughs> thing like that. How dare you? Uh, Tim Chatton wrote in, too. Now, Tim is part of the MyMac Podcasting Network with his show, the Nintendo Club Podcast. And I, I read this, and in, in, I know Tim's listening to this, so if you can explain this in a little bit more detail, Tim, because he says... Uh, Tim was listening to the show and wanted to let you know that every user profile loads, loads up a unique sale for Zelda, up to eight per console, I believe. So it sounds like you can create a new profile yeah. on the stop Switch. Col- yeah, stop Cole overwriting your um, Breath of the Wild work. Right, and then he could play yeah. it under his user account. Yeah. See, I never thought about that. It's If it's multi-user, which... I know it is. I just create his user, and then his save files has no effect on mine. If that's the yeah. case, well, then I wasted some money on my on Cole's, you know, the the Wii U version. But you know well, what? To be honest, you made he, you made him a lot more special, feel a lot more special. Well, I'm getting him to do copy. some more work. He's going to help me in the driveway this weekend. Yeah, we got pine yeah, needles was, everywhere. I, th- I think I think you still made the right decision, even if you spend a bit more money. Uh, he also wrote, uh, I have three just to have access to other eShops, and that's nice, and that's a nice side benefit, but really designed for a single console to be used amongst multiple players that way. So that makes sense. So you, you create another profile. I'm going to have to look into it, honestly, um, because there's some other games here that I think he would like to play. Not many yet, but eventually there will be. Um, I do have the... Oh, no, I didn't order it yet. I got, I'm going to order the Mario Kart Racing one. Uh-huh. I'll get that coming soon. And I had to order a Nintendo Switch Pro controller because, with obviously, with Mario Kart, it's multiplayer. I mean, you're racing against each other, so you, you can't have just one controller. So I had to order the uh, Pro controller, which I already did order. It should be here Monday. And I'll get the uh, the racing game because Cole is just... Look, I, I break out the... Uh, I, I make it sound like it's put away. I turn on the retro pie yeah. and I fire up the N64 emulator on there and play yeah. Mario Kart there. And it's got some issues, um, a little bit of stuttering occasionally cause it's, you know, it's, it's an N64 game. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much at the edge of where you can play games on the retro pie. And then even some of them, you just, you, you just can't, you can't play for instance, single player golden eye 007. It just doesn't work. It skips, yeah. and it's it's horrible. If the frame rates go down to like three frames a second. But the funny thing is if you play the multiplayer on it, it's fine. So psh, go figure. Um, but well, they had probably the, Mario the multiplayer has, has much lower graphics requirements yes. because obviously they had to shoot on it on those, the screen, and, and that probably cuts a lot of the graphics rendering down. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. And because the, the backgrounds for the multiplayer is just like generic rooms. Yeah. It's not trying to draw a submarine and, and four or five other guys that you're trying to sneak up on. and So I get it. Uh, but regardless, he loves to play Mario Kart on that. Even Brooke will play Mario Kart N64 on the RetroPie. Mm-hmm. You know, because I just have two uh, Xbox controllers plugged into it, and we'll sit there and race. And we can have even more. We can have up to four players, but I don't have another controller 
I do, but I'm not going to put up another controller on it. So, yeah. anyways, uh, thanks very much, Tim and, uh, and Nemo. Let, and then, uh, let's get on to the most important feedback of the week, which yeah. is all the people who agreed with me. <laughs> pretty much so this everyone. is uh, Scott Wilsey and um, Danny Yankelo. And they also, had a conversation back and forth that they included us in on Twitter. On Twitter yeah. Um, yeah. But I never actually joined in on the conversation. No. No, well, that, that's because you don't agree with him, so why would you? <laughs> so so Scott Wilsey said, um, he said, I'm a little more on David's side than the classic NES thing. They killed it way too fast, even assuming new stuff is coming. And then Donnie said, I agree. They could still sell tons of them. Going to have some the same issue with the new one, even if they sold this one through to December. I've never been able to find one in my area in retail or online. Uh, Scott came back, said, I was waiting until it became available to me, and that will never happen now. Uh, and Danny said, definitely plenty of demand. Uh, if, if Tim didn't buy the one he found, it would have been gone within the hour, definitely by the end of the day. Maybe. I don't so, know how long it had been sitting there either. Yeah. So let's stay on Nintendo for a second before we move off of here, because that's mm-hmm. kind of what all of our Nintendo feedback was. Today. Yeah, there was news. Um, yeah. I actually put this in the show this notes. Came, that, well, the beginning. Yeah, the, so I had written, if Switch is a giant hit, would Nintendo do well to retire the 3DS and the other DS games, which at the time was the 2DS, and make an even more portable Switch? It will play all the same games. It'll just be across you know all the platforms. Because the Switch is portable, but it's not yeah. really portable. I mean, it's, it's still quite big to take with you. Uh, it's portable around your house. It's not really portable on a train. Well, I think there are some people who are intending to use it that way. And, of course, the advantage there is you play your games on the TV at home, and then you can pick them up and take them with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's, that's kind of the advantage here. But um, Nintendo obviously read the show notes because they have responded immediately by launching or announcing the launch. It's not, not out to the end of July of the 2DS XL. Which I get, nobody saw this coming. I mean, this, this talk about secrecy. This really came out of the blue. And now, so for those who don't this know, is, yeah, we we talked about this before. We've talked about the 2DS before, right? Yeah, um, and uh, the 2DS is basically their cut down. They t- basically took the 3D out of the 3DS and they presented it. it was, it's in a different form factor. It's kind of like a little slab thing, like a little um, wedge. Yeah, much, much, much cheaper than the 3DS though. Um, 79 bucks, um, brand new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it plays the same games. However, the 3DS um, XL, which was the larger version of 3DS, was actually replaced by the confusingly named new 3DS XL uh, last year. And the difference between that one and the old one is that that one has an extra control stick on it. So now you have two analog sticks, which obviously makes a big difference. So... Um, Nintendo clearly recognized that they needed to update. They were going to stick with the 2DS, and I, I guess the mode of, most I remember when it first came out, we thought it was going to be huge, um, and it doesn't appear to be. I think most people, I've, I very rarely see them in the wild, whereas you see plenty of the 3DSs around. Um, but anyway, Nintendo have decided to update it, so effectively this is the 2DS version of the new 3DS XL, um, they've reverted to the classical clamshell form factor that the rest of the line has. Um, and this is basically, again, the same thing. It's a 3DS XL, new 3DS XL, but without the 3D in it. 
Yep. And, and the screen and, looks great. Uh, it's bigger. It looks it. You know, when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, this kind of looks cheap. But then I watched the ad, and I'm looking at it a little closely, a little more closely. It actually looks pretty nice, to be honest with you. I, I, this, I never got a 2DSL or a 2DS. Um, I, I thought about it a number of times. I just never pulled the trigger on one. But yeah. this one, it's got an 82% larger screen compared to the Nintendo 2DS. It's uh, 149. Is that what the yeah 149.99? It's 150 bucks. That's, uh, that's a pretty good price. And, and the, the, yeah, how much is the 3DS XL now? Is that 350? 200. Oh, really? Yeah, 350? It, yeah, it's up there in price. Maybe yeah. maybe maybe 299. I don't. It's not cheap. I know that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the difference between the 3DS and XL and a Switch is why would you? If you don't have either one, you buy the Switch, other than the games yeah. library. But moving forward, the games library is going to be great on the Switch. Yeah. So I think this is interesting news. I I think I'm in for this one. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably upgrade as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just so that I've got the extra controls and, and the option to play the newer games. Um, I do I do like my 2DS. I, I do enjoy playing on it. Uh, and really, the 3DS is a gimmick. Everybody I've ever known who's... Um, who's Use 3D on the 3DS, uses it for five minutes, and turns it off. Yeah, they turn off. The 3D uh, and and then once they once they put that slider down to zero, then it's they gone. never turn it on again. Yep. <laughs> so I've you might as well thing. save the money. <laughs> yeah. So uh, number okay. Before we move on, let let's first thank our sponsor this week. It is OWC MaxSales.com. Now, um, a little while ago, I had Larry O'Connor, the CEO of uh, OWC and Max Sales, on the show. Specifically to talk about a new product that they had announced. It hasn't come out yet, and it still hasn't. But this was back in January that they announced this. It's called the OWC DEC, D-E-C. And it basically straps onto the bottom of the new MacBook Pro, and it gives you your ports back that a lot of people are missing. Um, I think it was a brilliant idea. I thought it looked pretty good. But if I had any complaints about it without actually seeing it in person... And David said this right before we started recording this episode. It kind of made it look like a, a thicker, almost a, a G4 power book. Yeah, I have, um, as as regular listeners to the show know, I, I actually love the old uh, G4 laptops. And so I have one of every model. And yeah, you look at this and you immediately think, because of that extra thickness, you immediately think of the power book, which had that same thickness because it had the drive in it and it had all the ports and everything in it. Um, and, yeah, this immediately... you To a casual observer, you would look over and assume that somebody was rocking a power book. Yep, yep. And it, it, that was... I liked... It was kind of elegant, though. But, yep. I don't know, it seemed to be lacking something in design. So I, I pulled up the page today, and it's owcdigital.com backslash deck, D-E-C. And they've upgraded the look, David. It, it doesn't look the way it did before. Now it looks like it's a matte black. Yeah. So you can clearly see, with just a casual glance, that this is an add-on to the PowerBook. And I'll be honest with you. I think this in black looks fantastic. This is how they should have done it from the very beginning. It, it looks so much better. Yeah, because you can you can see that you've got a nice thin laptop on the top. It really delineates the difference between the pair of them. Um, and uh, yeah, there's something about it looks more an, high end. An, yeah, there's yeah there's something about anodized 
black aluminium that uh, really makes it look like quality. Of course, the iPhone 7 famously has two different black finishes, and they both look extremely cool. So um, definitely a positive design choice as far as I'm concerned. And even the blue um, USB port really stands out now, too. It 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 looks really sharp. So kudos to uh to larry and his team because i think you took what looks to be a, a really cool concept and made it even better even if it's just an aesthetic change sometimes an aesthetic change on something like this makes all the difference yeah. i would happily put this on a new macbook pro if i had one it, yep. that looks pretty that it looks damn good it really does so we're not the only show in our network here, David, we've got a few others. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago we said, look, nobody's updated their ads in the network in a while. So we're just going to talk about some of the new shows each week. That's in the, my Mac podcasting network. And it's been kind of a slow week cause we've only got two new shows since we released the last episode. And that is my Mac uh-huh. podcast, six fifty three, Apple's Autobot. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and uh, guy made the graphics, and he put the the Autobot logo with Apple logo eyes. That, that's kind of neat. And then geekiest show ever, two fifty five. They're they're trying to catch up to our three hundred shows here, David. Never going to do it. Not, well, especially for the fact that geekiest show ever launched years before this show. Yeah, by us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I like the fact that they've expanded the roster on that show. You know, it's Mike, it's Alyssa, it's Kevin, and it's Melissa, the Mac Mommy. Mm-hmm. So it's two guys, two girls, most episodes. I, I think that's a really good idea. I, I really like that a lot. And uh, so, yeah, it, that show has uh, been released. So check those two episodes out in the MyMac Podcasting Network. You can see all the shows. Simply go to MyMac.com and click the button that says Podcasts right in the top corner of your screen or in the menu of the screen. And uh, you can see all the shows, including Tech Fan. And every one of those shows actually do have their own dedicated show notes pages as well. So it's kind of important to keep in mind. Let's jump right in here, David. Um, very beginning of this episode, I played a little sound clip. Yep. And that sound clip is, I think, probably one of the most iconic pieces of cinema in the last, I'm going to say, 25 years. Well, it, I mean, it was it was a, a a it was a fantastic piece of fanboy service, but also what it did was uh, kind of out of the blue, um, let people know that the Iron Man movie was just the beginning of a much much larger plan, and and as soon as the as soon as Iron Man was released, and and really. <laughs> There was. A lot, I remember when when Iron people said they were making an Iron Man movie, there was an awful lot of head scratching because a lot of people who didn't really know who Iron Man was, right. and even people who did kind of thought Iron Man, you know, it's kind of a, a, a second string uh, comic book character. Is certainly not as iconic as you know any of the big guys like Spider Man or uh, the X Men or anything like that. It's like Iron Man, and then and then there was a lot of people thought, wow, they're going to do Iron Man. That's going to be really bad and cheesy. Um, you know, they did they didn't conceptualize how you might ground um that story that kind of story um in a movie because uh it really you, you really kind of think oh a guy wearing a robotic suit if you if you take something that's quite easy to draw because you don't necessarily have to 
uh, think about things how, how things might work in the real world and try and translate that into a movie where you obviously do that's really going to be terrible um uh, and then of course you know tony stark himself as a character is is if you don't do it right, it's going to come across as terribly, terribly cliche. Yes. There was a lot of people who thought, what the hell? Why would, if, you know, if they're getting into movies, um, if Marvel are getting into movies in a big way and they're going to do it themselves, why would they start with Iron Man? Um, and of course, what Marvel did with that uh, kind of bumper during the credits is, is a whole load of things in one fell swoop. First well, of all, they introduced the concept of a universe. The, yeah, a universe. Yeah, absolutely. They say, you know, this movie, uh, even though it's completely self-contained, you've just watched it and it was a great movie. And it completely, one of the very few superhero movies, I think, um, probably of all time, that really covered uh, the origin story in a way that was interesting and was compelling. Uh, and actually was very important because the actually the origin of Iron Man is kind of the grounding of Tony Stark's character. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's the beginning of a of a path of redemption for him. So to actually build the entire story around that was clever. And yet they then announced, okay, so we've done this, and it's a self-contained movie, and you could have never seen this trailer bumper and this credits bumper and been happy. But no, actually, now what we're going to do is say, well, you know what, we're talking about, and they use the A word, the Avengers. Yep. And immediately everybody kind of, you know, thought, what, they, this is, not only are they, is this one part of a larger universe, they're already telegraphing that they're going to bring all of the Avengers together. Well, yes in, and in no, movies. because, A, you're right, it was it was a great movie. And yeah. true comic book fans, it, told, it, it, it actually made sense to start with Iron Man because he does have a complex history and a very real world history. I mean, at one point in the comic books in the 80s, he stopped being Iron Man because he was a drunk. I mean, he was literally a drunk. He was a falling down alcoholic and he couldn't do it anymore. He was putting other people in danger. So he turned it over to another guy, Rodney, Rudy, yep. sorry. And, you know, yeah. he becomes a, a war machine. He's a war machine in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's the one that was injured at the last uh, Captain America movie. Yep. But it, it was very grounded. And so. To comic book fans, it actually did make sense if they do it right. Hopefully, they'll do it right. They're not going to go the Batman-Robin route, you know? They're not going to go the super cheese. Because, let's be honest, they could have gone really cheesy with Iron Man. It would have been yep. very easy to do. Make it all about the suit and flying and the repulsor rays and, ugh, here we go again, right? That's not what yep. they did. I mean, the fact that he has a super suit for most of the movie is secondary. It's about Tony Stark. So, they focused on... What made the comic books good? The character, not the superpowers. You know, that's that's your entry into wanting to read it, but it's really not what the stories are about. So when he says, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative, a lot of people got really excited. I got goosebumps. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But a part of me thought, there's no way. This is like a one-off little thing. They mention it. They come out with Iron Man 2. It's a flop. I know they're coming out with a Hulk movie later this year, but, uh, you know, the last Hulk movie from Ang Lee pretty much sucked. Um, so it's probably, it, there's a good chance this isn't really going to go anywhere. But they did play a little bit of fanboy, you know, here you go. Yeah. We're, we're going to at least mention the Avengers. But to their credit, and they were a small studio at this point. 
and they were not owned by Disney at this point. They actually stuck to their guns. They actually had a plan. And the next movie, The Incredible Hulk, quite honestly was one of the weakest of the Marvel Cinematic movies. Um, and, you know, they... The, yeah, the actor was, didn't stick around for the role, unfortunately, no, well, which is well, probably it, a good thing. It, it was worse than that. I think. I think the one of the reasons the Hulk movies, the standalone Hulk movies, have been so difficult is because every time they do them, there's people in there's people involved in the production who want to make substantial changes. The, you know, the Angley Hulk made huge changes to the character, yep. his origins, his motivations, everything like that, um, and it and it kind of spoiled it. And unfortunately, with uh, with the Incredible Hulk movie, it was the same problem. And this time, it was the star. It was Edward Norton. He decided that you know he's a he's a very um, very gifted actor. He's he's a gifted actor, but he likes to get very involved in his roles, and and effectively, he becomes almost like a scriptwriter. And he really pushed very hard to change aspects of the character and to question the motivations of the character and everything. And the problem is, what he was doing is he was pushing it away from the source. Yes. And that's kind of what spoiled the movie again, is that, is that um, you know, it kind of it, yeah, it just, just kind of up, it upset the balance between you know, this is the, the thing that I think that Marvel excels at is they take just enough out of the comics to ground it into something that that, that it, they distill the essence of what made the comic good but then they, they're not they're not beholden to that they're not um saying well, we've got to stick only to that and then they they kind of and they also they allow the creative people who are making the movie to do their own thing it's not you know well you you come up with a script and then we'll shoehorn the bits for this extra universe we're building on the outside it's all done properly it's all done organically and it's easy to do that when you have a wider plan yep. and this is where dc fails because they don't have any of that and they're trying to rush it and and you know it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb the world building and you got to look you know, at what um, the marvel so cinematic universe did it took four years to get to the avengers iron yeah. man comes out in 2012 the first Avengers movie doesn't come out, or I'm sorry, 2008 for Iron Man. The Avengers don't come out until 2012. That's four yeah. years. Yeah. And in that, and that four years, they release really good movies that are standalone, but yet are building to something greater. And, yeah. and everybody at that point can see it. So with The Incredible Hulk, you know, it, it's the one that doesn't really fit into the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but they did retrofit it in. So, yeah. you know, Tony Stark shows up in the credit scenes to this one, not Nick Fury, and he's talking to Thunderbolt Ross, who, by the way, going way forward, he's in um, Civil Captain War. America, Civil War. Yeah, so right. he reprises that role another four years later. You haven't seen him since then. So after The Incredible mm -hmm. Hulk... Iron Man 2 comes out of the gate in 2010. So two years later, between those two movies and the next entry, Iron Man 2. So now the studio is starting to ramp up. You can see them getting bigger because now they've got history. We can do this. Yeah. But a lot hinged on Iron Man 2. If that would have bombed, it would have pretty much derailed what they were going for. And thankfully, Iron Man 2, not a great movie, but a good movie. Yeah, the thing about Iron Man Two, which which really kind of works for me, is it's not. I mean, the Tony Stark story in Iron Man Two, I didn't think was great, um, and it suffered, really suffered from one of those terrible, terrible problems that the Marvel cinematic cinematic universe does have, which is 
kind of uh, one-dimensional villains. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that was the real flaw in Iron Man 2. It's also really, I think, the, one of the flaws in Iron Well, the few flaws in Iron Man 3. But um, Justin Hammer what, saves that movie. Uh, yeah. And a Tony Stark wannabe brilliantly acted. Um, yeah. He, he saves that movie. But, but unfortunately, the real supposed villain of the movie is terrible. Whiplash yes. is terrible. Um, but what, actor, what's, great, what's great about Iron Man 2, though, is the fact that they bring S.H.I.E.L.D. into it. They yep. make S.H.I.E.L.D. a thing in Iron Man 2, and the way they do that is fantastically well done. Yep. You know, in this fact, idea that, that basically S.H.I.E.L.D. have, you know, again, set up from the first, uh, that first post-credit sequence in the first one, that S.H.I.E.L.D. have been in the background the whole time uh, watching Tony Stark, kind of watching disapproving of some of the stuff he does and waiting till they think the appropriate moment is to step to in and, and keep him on the straight and narrow and also you know complete props is they brought in black widow into iron man 2 and they just made her absolutely badass and they didn't make a big deal of it it was just here she is everyone underestimates her you know what and she's one of the best people in the room you the know and, scene that, and, that, with and her and happy yeah. going into the building where yeah. he takes the first bodyguard, and it takes Happy the whole sequence to knock his guy out, and he's winded, and he, you know, he feels like a badass, and he looks up, and all these other guards are out, and and yeah. Natasha Black Widow just went through him like a buzzsaw, almost effortlessly. And, and I, the thing I like about that is it's the real contrast in Iron Man Two is you've got Tony Stark and um, War Machine, where it's all about the technology, the suits, and everything, and then you've got. Um, uh, Natasha Romanoff, and she's just basically a girl in a cat suit. Yeah, and yet she's taking all these guys. Yes, yeah, she uses a little bit of tech, but it really is all about her skills her skill. and her capabilities. And you know, the it, end, it really is great. And the end of Iron Man, unlike the other movies, more, well, no, I, I take that back. The end of Iron Man, Coulson gets a call. Yeah, and he has to go somewhere. And you think it's going to have to do something with the Hulk because it's like New Mexico or something, right? Yeah. Traditionally, that's where the Hulk stories take place is New Mexico. So you think it's going to have something. Oh, they're going to call back the Hulk again. This would be cool. He goes out there. Well, either that or either that, or you think it's going to be yet another one of the, of the you know, the technical MacGuffins that actually we find out later on in the series are all part of the Infinity War buildup. You kind of think, oh, they found another, you know, doodad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's and they not have found a doodad, but not the one you think it is. You go out there and you see Thor's hammer yeah, in a crater. And talk about an iconic moment in, in film, because I think this is the point where Marvel said, you know what? We're going all in. Yeah. We're, we're doing it right, because... Thor does not fit in with the real world. He just doesn't. The Hulk well, does. No, this, this Iron Man does. Captain America you know, does. Yeah. The whole the whole beauty of that is that yeah they've they've spent they've, they've got these two or three Iron Man movies where they have worked very very hard to make the concept of a guy wearing a robotic suit within the confines of the fact that you know he has like a magic power source that never runs out and and all of this sort of stuff can fly and everything but they make it real. It looks real. It kind of works real. Even the way they build the suits up um, and the design process you see in the first movie and helped by the AI and everything, you kind of think, you know what? I could see this happening in a world where some of the restrictions of, uh, of you know, I mean, it always makes me laugh that, that Jarvis can go and, like, kind of you know, 3D print these suits in about two hours. Right. Yeah. 
And it's like something that would take a team probably ten years to build. They can he can just you know, but that's that's part of it. You know, that's part of the magic of it. But the point is, it's all very grounded, and you kind of think, you know, this could really happen. And then you bring in Thor, who who is a literal god, and uh, there's no scientific explanation in in our universe for the things that Thor can do, the places he comes from, the backstory he has, and you think, wow, they're really going to bring all of that together and everyone's just going to kind of cope with it and and the, and Thor movie, they absolutely do. And the first Thor movie is, is simply fantastic. And that was in yeah. 2011 and I, the stakes were huge for that movie because it's yet another one. If it bombs, if people don't buy into it, it's going to derail the Avengers movie. It just will. But it's a huge success. Chris Helmsworth becomes a big star because of it. And we're still excited. And yet, we're still missing a central cog to the Marvel Universe, and especially to the Avengers. The heart and soul of that team and of the Marvel Universe is Captain America. So Mm -hmm. later that year, we get Captain America, the first Avenger. This was the movie that probably stuck the closest to the original storylines, at least as far as starting in World War II, getting frozen, waking up in modern times. And it would have been very easy to gloss over the World War II just to get him up to the point where he can join the Avengers. I know, and that's the whole point, is, is Marvel at this point had the capability, the scope, and the guts to say, well, we're going to give Captain America a whole movie as the origin story and Captain America could be a very cheesy movie let's be honest yeah, it, it could be super exactly. cheesy well, that, you know, I mean he's more of yeah, they call <clears throat> they call uh, Superman a big boy scout but I mean Captain America takes that to another level yes. and and here again right right from the beginning of Captain America they're subverting that trope yep. because yes he's so passionate about wanting to fight the Nazis, that he's prepared to go through a, an experimental procedure that could kill him. Yeah, and he does that because he he's so desperate to serve. And yet, straight away from that movie onwards, well, it's not yeah, just the Nazis; it's the bullies. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. but but honestly, he, he but he's desperate to fight. He's desperate to fight for his country. That's what makes him Captain America. And yet, right right away, that idealism is being chipped away by the fact that the real world just isn't like that. And they don't shy away from that no. at all, all the way through that movie. And he ends up sacrificing himself for that ideal. Um, and yeah, a, a lot of lesser studios, I think, would have done the first. 40 minutes in world war two and then immediately brought him up to the to present day yep um and and they had the guts not to do that no we're going to make a full-on yeah a superhero base they never cut a corner on full-on war movie yep they never cut a corner they showed look they, they can't get real grisly with captain america in war but it was it was it was damn impressive yeah and, and yes they change what world war two is because there was no ray guns in world war two but they're retrofitting once again a tesseract, which is an infinity stone that we're going to find out eventually. Um, they're retrofitting real history in with, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And surprisingly, the title, the first Avenger, it actually works. And it is yeah. a perfect precursor to what's going to come immediately following this, which for a lot of people, and definitely me, as much as I love Star Wars, I grew up on Star Wars. I was seven years old when the first Star Wars hit. 
You know, I saw yeah. it in the movie theater. I remember it. Um, I was always a comic book fan. And the Avengers was, I don't want to say my team, because I liked the solo books more. But yeah. the Avengers were something special. They were taking these very iconic characters and, and putting them together. Could you really do that cinematically? And there was a lot of angst, at least from me, about an Avengers movie. Because as good as Captain America the First Avenger was, and I, and I honestly think it was the best Marvel movie up to that point. I thought it was better than the original Iron Man. Because mm-hmm. I, I just, it was so good. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. Can you really take these three characters and more that we haven't even... We know that Black Widow's going to be in there. She's been in one movie so far. And yeah. we know that they're going to put Hawkeye in there. He's I, I don't know how that guy's going to fit in here. And we also know that Loki's going to be the main character, main bad guy. Is this really going to work? And they pulled it off, which I think is the original Avengers movie. I think it's one of the best movies of all time in this category. I would completely agree. I would completely and utterly agree. It's almost, I mean, yes. It's it's almost a perfect movie. It is. You can can always nitpick thickly bits and pieces. Sure. But it is almost the perfect movie. I would completely and utterly agree with you. I think the the pacing, the plotting... The, um, the way you the introduce way things, the characters uh, together. The way things are brought together and everything is pretty much perfection. And it builds to one of those big fight CGI climaxes. But uh, yet again, everybody gets good screen time. Everything they do is believable. Their motivations work. Every character has an arc in the movie that completely works. When Captain America first meets Iron Man, he, Captain America is facing Loki. And yeah. you hear ACDC music. Yeah. And he lands right next to Captain America. What? And I I mean, every fanboy in the world went, oh, my God, that was so cool. I mean, yeah. it was just Mr. Stark. <laughs> Cap. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, so and not only that, again, and, and I'm going to come back to this over and over again, that the way they brought those supporting characters in. Yeah. Yes, you, you know, uh, Black Widow has great screen time. They start to build that relationship with um the hulk she's in, initially she's she's terrified of the hulk sure when, as, when he goes green she's absolutely to the point where he it's the first time you ever seen her be phased by anything she's well, that scene with her being interrogated and she's like you know she kind of insults the guy and he's just like what and she's yeah. look, just gives him a look like come on that's right yeah she's he, he, and, and you know somebody calls she takes a call in the middle of being tortured yes yeah and and she's not she's not going you blow my cover or anything like that she's going really i'm working here or you know it's so great and yet later on in the movie she is absolutely terrified of the hulk yeah and it's the first time you see her be shaken by anything well when she when, she, when he know, she, yells at her in that little cabin and she pulls the gun yeah immediately and is kind of leaning backwards and her eyes are open you're like yeah, we know she's a badass because we saw her in Iron Man 2. We saw what she just did with these Russian guys. She's a badass. And yet she's terrified of this guy's meek scientist in front of her. She's scared and, to and, death of him for good reason. And, and and I think that's one of the triumphs of the Avengers for, is for the first time. We talked about those previous Hulk movies. For the first time, you see how truly powerful the Hulk is. Yes. 
when he's terms ripping of, through that helicarrier, yeah, chasing exactly. her, we, oh we, my god, and, well, yeah, and you know, to the point where when he tries to pick up Thor's hammer and he can't because, of course, he's not worthy. Yeah, but in trying to pick that up, he nearly pushes himself through the floor. Yes, is um, all of that stuff. It is just perfect. It, it's perfect. It's perfectly pitched in terms of explaining why the Hulk is is viewed as such a powerful character. This is a character you know the problem is we've all been tainted with the hulk by um the 70s tv show which basically was just a, a you know a big guy in green paint yeah we've not really seen the hulk the way the hulk is in the comics and this is yeah, with this, an attitude a, but and not just a raging dumb monster no an, exactly an actual yeah character. even though even though he doesn't speak he's intelligent well he, he does he well, you know what I mean. He, he, he's, not, he's not like the articulate monster that you sometimes see in the comics. Right. Uh, different incarnations. But nevertheless, yeah, he's not just a mindless machine, a mindless rage machine, which is the way some people would have played it and, and not what you need for the Avengers. He does need to be controllable in some way. When he um, when he is standing on, next to Thor on the big space worm thing and they're like breathing heavy after taking it down and Hulk just punches him right off of it punches yeah. thor and he goes <laughs> yeah what i mean what a perfect he, he he was the hulk is so much better in an ensemble picture like this i mean he just is yeah. by himself i think they could make a great picture but he really benefits from this type of movie so we finally get the avengers it's universally praised the very next year we were back to iron man 3 and it's okay, but it is pretty weak in some respects. But I love what they did with the character. He's got post-traumatic stress syndrome from the Avengers. They put in the obligatory kid in there, which I hated. Yeah. Um, but it, it does move the character forward, at least. Um, and then later that year, we get the Dark World from Thor, which it's okay. There's parts yeah. of it that I like, but it's pretty weak, too. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm actually worried, like, did they kind of shoot their whole load with the Avengers here? Because these two movies aren't very good. Is this, are they going to be like milk, 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 Avengers, big, we make all the money, milk, 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 Avengers. But then we get to the second Captain America movie, Captain America, the Winter Soldier in 2014. And I'll be honest with you. It's second only to the Avengers movie. As far as my enjoyment, I think the Winter Soldier is almost a perfect movie because it's not a superhero movie. It's a spy movie. It's a... There's nothing about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, I don't like. I would actually actually put it on a par with the Avengers. I would too. It's better acted. Yeah, at this point, each of these films is starting to become an Avengers movie. Yes. Because... The, you know they brought these characters together in the universe and they're not afraid to mix them up and use them together in the same movies yep. um which actually was one of the thing one of the real weaknesses of iron man 3 is you know there's tony stark he saved the world yeah he's got post-traumatic stress disorder yeah and the mandarin's men comes and basically completely destroy his life and shield and the avengers are just like yeah well Let's leave you yeah, to that. Whatever. And everyone's going, where the hell are they? Right. You know, it was a, it it was no a real flaw in the movie. And yeah. I, I think that's what really un- undid it to get again together with a terrible, terrible villain. But yet we had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so was yeah. the, the Thor movie. That was a terrible villain. But we get to Captain America yep. and we've got a good villain now. Well, yeah. When you, make, when you make the villain the whole of 
the whole of the agency he's just been working for. Um, that is, that's a bold move. It's a political thriller. Yeah, they really pulled it off. Oh my, my, I, re- I remember, I was so thrilled watching The Winter Soldier. I really, really was. Mm-hmm. Such a great film. It, it, it blew me away how much I enjoyed that movie. And look, okay, who's the main villain in, in that movie? Robert Redford. Think about yeah. that for a minute. Holy crap. Talk about a coup. You know, yeah. he, it was so good. And I didn't think, I thought that's going to be the high water mark. They're never going to even approach that again. And yet the very next movie, the same year, went in a completely different direction. We leave yeah. all of our, our heroes on Earth, although the movie does start on Earth, and we move out into outer space. And I think Guardians of the Galaxy... And see, I keep saying this, but it is one of the very best Marvel movies. I mean, number one to me is the Avengers for a variety of reasons, but I got to agree with you. I think it's tied with Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So if I put them at number one each, okay, I'm not going to say number one and number two. They're both number one. Number two is Guardians of the Galaxy. It was, there was a a meme going around, meme, meme going around, where DC at this point was still having a hard time figuring out the DC universe and <clears throat> somebody asked a guy at, at DC or at Warner brothers, you know, are we going to get a, a wonder woman movie? And he said, uh, yes, but we're having a hard time with a wonder woman movie. We, we just, we're trying to get our heads around this character and what's right for the character. It's, it's going to be a very difficult character to, to make a movie around. And, and the next scene was, Marvel going, yeah, we understand. In the meantime, here's a talking raccoon. Yeah. Yeah. And they did I, it. They, know, had a talk, it was, they had uh, a freaking talking the, raccoon in a freaking great movie. Who could yeah, do to- that? Not only that, a talking raccoon whose best friend and sidekick is a is a walking talking tree. And you completely <laughs> buy it. A hundred percent you buy I, it. I, I, you know what? I... I Again, Guardians was one of those movies when you heard they were doing it. Again, a lot of people went, Guardians of the what? Now, you know, it's like, who? Nobody's ever heard these characters. I mean, talk about obscure. Yeah. Um, And of course, then even even comic book uh, fans can't really define what the Guardians are because it's kind of a shifting catch all. Yeah. You know, it's basically different people are in the guardians at different times, depending on on when you happen to pick the book up. So nobody really kind of knows what this is going to mean. And then they're thinking, well, here we go. We've got this, you know, pretty, all right. It's got these, now got these fantastical magical elements to it, but it's kind of set in the real world. And then you think you're going to go to the, to the Marvel cosmic universe and do a a movie there. They're going to pull that off. And again, it was about somebody who, I don't think anybody except James Gunn could have pulled that movie off no. because this is something who just, you know, I think the best way of saying it is, is a kind of slang term. He grocks it. Yep. He lives and breathes this universe and he understands it left and right. And just in the same way that Joss Whedon, who did Buffy, was able to really, it was, it was him who was capable of bringing the Avengers movie together because he was able to do the character dynamics that you need in a, in an ensemble piece like that in a way that was believable. He understood in the Avengers all the different characters and he could say, right, well, this one's not going to like this one and this one's going to resent that one. And, and he was able he to build the benefit, the story around that. Yes, but he had the benefit of using characters who were already established in their own exactly. movies for the most yeah. part. 
and whereas James Gunn, Gunn was able to for the Guardians was able to slate. do that in one movie. Yes. And he pulled it off in a way that I never would have thought possible. And it lands just below first, uh, the Winter Soldier and the First Avengers movie. It's just, and not, it's, not even, it's great. Yeah. No, not only that, the beauty of, of, of the Avengers first, but really Guardians hit its stride, is the tone. Yep. And this is one of the things I think Warner Brothers gets wrong all the time, is the tone. They think, they think people want real, they want dark, they want gritty. People want a tone that fits the movie and the characters. And the beautiful thing of Guardians is it's funny. It's, you know, at some point it's laugh out loud funny. It is, absolutely. And at the same, and it, and it uses that, that kind of, that, that hook of the of the uh, you know the the spaceman a fish out of water type thing you know yep. he's he's kind of uh, bluffing his way through the universe um and the way What's he's doing name? that is by Star listening Lord. to his walkman all the time who you know star lord man come on <laughs> it, i mean he's, he's like a big kid yeah and he's exactly. great yeah so it, then, I, again it was it was fantastic and um i'm i'm immensely looking forward to the next one so then we get um, to avengers age of ultron the the big follow-up to the first avengers movie and it's quite honestly brilliant three quarters of the way through and then the big cgi at the end you're like yeah okay um the ultron age of ultron was the one where i think they they did kind of fall into the world building trap a little bit it it was so focused on you know well we've built we've built the team up now we've got to now we've got to shape them and break them up right Uh, and i thought it was too soon for that the best way of doing that is is you know so because we're looking forward to the next movies where they all kind of start fighting each other and falling out with each other and and really you know parts of ultron did feel like a bit a little bit of filler yeah um even though it has some great scenes in it and um, a lot of – I think yet, it's like you say, the first the first three courses of it are absolutely fantastic. I've, particularly those those first – the first half where the team are you know, kind of working together as the Avengers and they're kind of hanging out together and everything. And I they're think at a party. Yeah, it was incredibly well done. It, and, you and know, the, first, really, the first scene with Ultron in it, using Tony Stark's broken armor, talking yeah. to the Avengers – is is cinematic masterpiece it's so good yeah and but they just i don't know they, it seemed like they had a, a three quarters of a great movie but they just didn't know how to wrap it up without resorting to the big battle at the end because that's kind and, of what and again i think you know they had a you can't say ultron is was a weak villain because no, james spader really just good. knocked it out of the yeah. out of the park with that character he but was he needed he two was, movies yeah, but that but that that was the problem. Is is actually the the weakness of Ultron was that you just didn't understand why he was doing anything he was doing. Right, it didn't make any sense. It well, they so retrofit him into being a, a Tony Stark creation rather than a Hank Pym creation. But then we get to Hank Pym finally. One of the founding members of the Avengers in the comic books is Ant Man, Hank Pym. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we finally get a Hank Pym movie. This is the one that I think. At this point in time, people are like, "Really, Ant Man? How is this going? This is going to be stupid." And they didn't go the traditional superhero route with this movie. It's a caper movie. Yeah, it's a caper movie, and it's brilliant. They decided yeah. to retrofit Hank Pym is now an old guy, and by, played by one of the biggest stars of the '80s, Michael Douglas, and. They use an up-and-coming actor who's I, – I, I think he's great. I'm 
drawing a blank on his name. What is his name? Um, no, I'm, I'm a, I can only visualize the name of the character in the movie rather right. than... Uh, but anyways, oh, well. yeah, anyways, it's a pitch perfect movie and the supporting cast is probably the strongest of all of the Avenger movies up to the, or all the Marvel movies up to this point. The supporting cast is just great and it's a fun movie. You completely buy into it. They don't have a lot of references to the rest of the, the cinematic universe other than the very beginning. Uh, a few references yeah. to Stark that, you know, Pym doesn't want Stark to get a hold of his technology because he's going to corrupt it. And the CGI at the beginning to make Michael Douglas look like a young guy is just brilliant. And they brought the same actress from Peggy Carter into it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. The, the tie-in is just, it's, it's, it's perfect for this movie. And he even mentions the Avengers at one point in this, right? Yeah. And, and then he has to go to uh, where the Avengers are, have their base, which we see at the, age, the end of Age of Ultron, to break in to get a piece of tech, and he fights Falcon for a second. That's brilliant. I mean, the yeah. whole thing is just so good. And then we get to Civil War. Yeah. And this is where they kind of tear apart the Avengers. Yep. Civil uh, War, and, re I and remember at this point, this is this Brian Reefle saying, even though it's called Captain America Civil War, this is definitely an Avengers movie. This is Avengers 3, um, absolutely. But yet, it's still, yeah. it really is focused on Cap. And it's still continuing the story from Winter Soldier. That's still yeah. the big storyline. And they bring in new characters. We get Black Panther, who is just, he's a fantastic character. But more yeah. importantly, and everybody knew it was coming, they get Spider-Man in it. Yeah. Andrews. <laughs> and he's in the movie for 20 minutes, right? Yeah. But uh, it's and, brilliant. And, and, and Ant-Man comes into this one as well. Yep. And, and he uh, fanboys you know, out meeting Captain America. How perfect was that? Yeah. And, and I'm shaking again, your hand way too long. <laughs> I know. And and again, Ant-Man, you know, the way they deal with Ant-Man in, 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 that, in that fight scene, that airport fight scene, you know, the stuff he does, all of a sudden they, 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 they take something else from the comics and he's going, well, I've never done this before, um, and turns himself into Giant Man. Uh, it was just fabulous. It was so it good. It really, really was. That was the, the, the airport scene, the battle, and, and Civil War. I don't know if anyone will ever top it for a superhero cinematic fight scene. It was, it was, it was perfect to me, it was on every most, level. It was the most comic book thing, I think, at that point, the Marvel Cinematic Universe yep. ever done. Absolutely. Because in the comics, this is what happens all the time. Is, right. You know, it's X versus Y. It's always some contrived reason for... Um, you know, for one character to fight another, and you want to see it done badly, go see Batman versus Superman, yep. which basically shows you how not to do something like that. Absolutely. Whereas, in fact, this was perfect. Yep. You know, they were trying to stop each other. They're not. They they start off holding back, and then the more it goes into it, the the more intense it becomes. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, it ends up falling apart a little bit for everybody, which is kind of right really you yeah. know there should be there should be consequences for a team like that ending up fighting each other and there are consequences which is you know it, again is is something that often would be glossed over in a in a in a superhero script is is like saying oh yeah everyone's friends at the ends type of thing and and this doesn't finish like that at all and so it it's almost a bookend at that point to this phase of the marvel movies but it's really not because, according to Marvel, it's part one of phase three. And phase two, 
or in phase three, the next movie is Doctor Strange. Now, Doctor Strange obviously is the last Marvel movie that we've got for another couple of weeks. Um, I thought it was really well done, but it's not my favorite. It wouldn't even rank in the top half. But I can't put my finger on why it just doesn't work for me on a whole lot of levels. Number one, I, I love the actor. Okay. Yeah. I hate him doing an American accent. There's no reason for it in this movie, period. There's no reason he can't have an English accent. In fact, I kind of found it insulting that he doesn't. I really did. I was like, no. He, because of, you, if you're going to use Benedict, then let him be him. They let him be him, but uh, you know what? We kind of want an American accent. For no reason at all in the movie, period. There's none. There's no reason for him to have an American accent. So that bothered me. But his origin story is way too close in this movie to what Iron Man goes through. He's kind of a prick. Uh, He gets hurt. He goes on a thing for redemption, although selfishly, unlike Iron Man. Um, You know, Iron Man figures out halfway through that movie, in the first Iron Man movie, that his weapons are being used to kill people. So his redemption is that. In yeah. in Doctor Strange, it's all, he just wants to fix his hands, and he never really gets past that in the movie, as far as I can tell. I mean, the, where yeah, he's going think, to get I trained think, think, has bad guys, and for whatever reason, since he's there, yeah. he's okay. Well, I'm going to fight these guys now, but think, he never gets he that was, redemption. It was meant to come across that over time he becomes, but they didn't do less, it. Less obsessed with that and becomes more far more interested in doing the right thing but it just didn't come across very well in the well, script he did but it's um, only at the very I, end when I, he's I, allowing himself to be killed yeah. over and over and over and that's clever but you you get the sensation you get the feeling that okay he's doing this and you know damn well it hurts he's getting killed every time but in the back of his mind he knows that this is his plan and this is going to work yeah. this is how they're going to win so it's not a true sacrifice it's part yeah. of his plan He's still kind of a prick at the end. I, I well, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not as familiar with Doctor Strange in the comics to know whether he was like that all the way through his comic book runs or not. Um, but it's a completely I, yeah, different character in the movie. I, in the I think. I, I think the prob. Yeah, the problem with the Doctor Strange movie really again was um, you had a villain also who had kind of weak motivations, and unfortunately, I think that was one where the orange origin story was too much. Yeah. It was too long. It, it, you're right. It was because it, they tried to do what they did with Iron Man. Man. I think you're yep. right, but it was too close to it. And I think mm-hmm. there would have been a more interesting way to approach the material. But I suspect they were worried that not enough people knew enough about him. Now, to here's, be able here's to carry what it. I thought going into this movie they should have done. And I thought this years ago if they're going to bring Doctor Strange in it, he's kind of an uninteresting character to begin with. Uh, his, his supporting cast has always been kind of weak. I didn't give a crap about him. And his main bad guy was boring, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if they're going to bring him in, unlike what they've done up to this point where they've been really true to the character from the comic books, this was a character they really could have changed, I thought, for the better because he's kind of a boring character to begin with. I just didn't care about him. But you know what would have really worked? The Harry Potter type of story where he's already Dr. Strange. Yeah. Forget about his origin story. He's already a sorcerer. 
and he's training other sorcerers. And it's a, he has to sacrifice himself or fight uh, somebody attacking his school, if you will. So you do a, a Harry Potter type of character that's grown up. Think about Harry Potter 20 years later. That's what Doctor yeah. Strange, to me, should have been. He's passing on his knowledge. He's more of a teacher while he's protecting our realm from other realms that are trying to constantly evade. You know, somebody will come to him, uh, a, a contact, and this person's having problems. And, oh, look, there's a psychic uh, worm infected this person. So, obviously, it's mystic in origin. Dr. Strange could help. Mm. And he's got to battle this thing on the mystic plane where it's a giant monster, but in real life, it's just this tiny little part of this guy's brain, right? Something like that. Yeah. That's not original, I, I, by the way. That was I, from I, recent I also think I, apparently Dot Strange is, is, makes an appearance in the next Thor movie, and I think they could have done just gone straight to that without doing the whole origin story. I agree. I, we're, we're all, even though many people might not know much about Doctor Strange, we're all familiar with the you know uh, the powerful sorcerer who nobody knows about, who who has to come out to the light and, and be discovered by people. Right. And I think I think they could have done that, had him established, maybe not as the sorcerer supreme, but on his way there, and and then all of a sudden, kind of Thor shows up and and inadvertently requires his his assistance. I think that would have, or vice great. versa, that the uh, Doctor Strange is in over his head, so he turns to somebody who has experience in, in this, and that's Thor. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think that would have worked, and, and we'll see how they pull it off in the next movie or not. I agree with you. I enjoyed Doctor Strange. It, it was re it was great to see that kind of approach taken, but I think it was, looking back on it, um, it was fairly derivative. Um, a lot of the special effects were uh, derivative of other movies, of Inception particularly. Yeah, um, They were better done than Inception, don't get me wrong, but that's just because it's you know, it's much more recent. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it was better done than Inception. I, I Inception is still pretty freaking awesome. It, yeah, it was it was done on a bigger scale. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, Inception. They, those types of special it's, effects. It's definitely more colorful. I'll give them that. Yeah. But, um, but you know, they. I mean, it did kind of fall into some of the tropes that you yes. see in in other things. You know, I, I, I've seen criticisms of the final couple of Harry Potter movies where they say, you know, they all of a sudden they went from using wands with spells to basically using wands as, as laser blasters. Right. Um, and I think Doctor Strange kind of fell into that I kind agree. of thing as well, you know, where all of a sudden they're just firing energy beams. But there's some really killed. brilliant things that the cape is sentient. Um, yeah. I, th there's some really good parts of Doctor Strange. And I don't want I don't want to come across as just negative here because I enjoy well, it. No, we, we still love it. these movies. and yeah. and. Yeah, we've already talked about the fact that... But we hold it to a the, higher standard at this point. Yeah, some of the earlier Marvel Cinematic University, uh, Universe movies weren't... Well, they were good, but they weren't great, and I think Doctor Strange falls into that category. And that is, to this point, the last of the Marvel movies that we can really intelligently talk about because we've seen them here on the 300th episode of Tech Fan. Of course, we're very fortunate because we have... Uh, four Marvel movies coming out within the next 18 months. Uh, the yep. very next one comes out in just a couple of weeks, and that's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think that it's going to be a massive hit. I think it'll actually do more money than the first Guardians because they have more fans at this point. A lot of people didn't yep. go, never went to the theater to see Guardians, but they sure watched on Blu-ray or you know uh, yeah. Netflix. 
And so I think Guardians 2 is going to be huge. And it looks fantastic from the trailers. Now, it's it's unfair to to judge anything by the trailers because, well, Batman and Superman come to mind. Um, yeah. But I, I, I have a lot of confidence in this movie. I think it's going to be so, exactly what we want and what we're thinking we're going to get. So we've got three... Uh, I mean, the, uh, let's not gloss over this achievement. In eight years, they have done 14 superhero movies. I'm sorry, we got five and coming hit up. Right I'm sorry, we got six. We got then, six movies well, coming up. We so, we got we got three this year. We have got Guardians two. We have got Spider Man and Spider Man. That looks got, fantastic. I mean, it looks it does, really yeah. good. It looks yeah. the tone speaks to me big time. I'm like, I'm totally in. I'm totally yeah, into Spider Man. And then Ragnarok, then we have Thor, Thor Ragnarok, and I'm very excited for that one the, because I love that the director. Trailer is perfect. Yeah, I love the director Taika Waititi, who is. Um, one of uh, one of the members of Flight of the Concords, and um, he did a fantastic vampire movie a couple of years ago um, called um, "We We Who Live in the Shadows" or something like that, which was kind of like a like a um, a real life. It was like you know, a fly on the wall documentary about vampires. It was so good. But now they're taking Thor, who's been in a lot of movies at this point, and they're putting him in space. It almost yep. has a Guardians of the Galaxy feel to it, and I'm like, yes, I totally want that. That totally makes sense. And then and, and after then, that... Apparently it's a road it's movie a, with a Hulk. With a Hulk. <laughs> I know yeah. him. We work together. He's a friend of mine. We've had, that was, that was such so a good. great trailer. It, plus yeah. Zep- I, know him, I know him from work. It's yeah. just, you know... <laughs> yes! I know and, him. And again, I, I think something we don't, we shouldn't underestimate, underestimate those. One of the reasons that all of these movies work so well is because generally Marvel's casting is spot on. Yep. Chris Hemsworth is such a find because he's a big, you know, kind of, you know, traditionally model looking guy. Yeah. And yet he's and funny. He, he, he carries off being the god of thunder at the same time. Yeah, he has. He... Sorry about that. Garage band crashed on me right there for a second. Um, yes. Yes. He's a model, but he's funny. He can act. He's very he's funny. He's totally have believable. The, have you seen the Ghostbusters reboot he was in yeah, last year? Yeah. He was hilarious in that. He's about really the only good thing about that movie, unfortunately. Well. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then we're going to get a movie that I'm really looking forward to, Black Panther. Now, mm-hmm. this is a movie that could be really good or really bad. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. We'll see. We don't, we don't know anything about it. But what we do know about it is coming after that is what everything in the Marvel Universe has been building to up to this point, going all the way back to the first Iron Man, and that is Avengers Infinity War, which I think is going to shake up the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some ways that's going to really upset a lot of people. I think that this is going to be the last raw for some of these characters in their current incarnations. And I hate to think of that, but you know what? It's going to happen eventually, Let's go out on a higher note where you're in control of it creatively. And so I'm in no matter what happens. But we know that this isn't the end because then we get Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I'm in. Totally in. And then we finally get something that a lot of people, David, and we'll end it on this one. A lot of people Mm. are kind of upset with Marvel, justifiably so, that through all these movies... We still don't have a female superhero lead. The closest we got is the Wasp, and she's just a supporting character. And yeah. they're going to come out with Captain Marvel, 
Brie Larson is going to be Captain Marvel. She's a great actress. I really like her. So she's an Oscar-winning actress. I mean, talk about big chops there. And and she's going to play one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe in, in Captain Marvel. Uh, Half-human, half-Cree uh, hybrid, I guess. I don't know. But I, I'm really looking forward to that. And that comes out in 2019, the beginning of 2019-ish. So we've got a couple more years of really good-looking movies because the same year, the, the, the next Avengers movie, and then we get uh, Spider-Man Homecoming 2, which they don't know if that's going to be called that or not. And then we get another Guardians of the Galaxy by James Gunn again. So we, we know what's coming up in the future. It looks really, really good. It looks very promising. And it still all steams, stems back to Nick Fury walking into Tony Stark's apartment at the end of a movie in 2008 and saying, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. And I don't think there's ever been a, 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 a better plan and execution in a cinematic way of tying so many different movies and characters together in a way that just works. And it has been a couple of hits and misses here, but it has been brilliant to, to, to put it mildly. Yeah. And that's a hundred percent Marvel. Now I know that they're owned by Disney, but they didn't start under Disney. And there's a reason that Disney has from the outside looking in left them alone. These guys know yep. what they're doing, I, I, David. I, I, I actually think, I don't think that Marvel would have been owned by Disney now if it hadn't been for this universe. I agree. Yeah. No, this is, this is, this is, the, you know, comics are the comics, but this is the value in this at the moment. We haven't, I mean, we haven't even talked about the TV stuff they've done as well. No. You know, um, this, this really is the jewel in the crown of Disney at the moment, and that's the company that owns Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they talk about a powerhouse. An absolute, uh, you know, geek powerhouse in terms of they've, that's the other thing. They've taken these things that, that basically were just, you know, for kids who like to hang around in comic book stores and they turned them into mainstream properties. Uh, and they brought to popular consciousness characters who a lot of people had never heard of before. As, you know, we, these as are, we talk about right Batman, now. and Superman, that right. sort of thing. Those are the ones everyone has heard of, yep. you know. But now everyone knows who Iron Man is. Most people know who Black Widow is. Everybody Most knows people who know Groot who the hell is. Hawkeye is. In fact, some people really love Hawkeye in those movies, yeah. even though he's just a guy with a bone arrow. Well, he was great. <laughs> Hawkeye was great. I mean, they really fleshed his character out in Winter Soldier. Or, I'm sorry, Civil War. Yeah. And but even, but in, the, even, even in the original Avengers movie, I mean, yeah. that, his, his actions at the end of uh, – in the battle scene – were just incredible. Yeah, they really were. And and again, you you're able to take people who who have no superpowers as such, and make them part of a team where, where you know you have the world's most powerful monster exactly. and the god of thunder on it, uh, and and say yeah, and and they're you know they're colleagues, they they know each other from work. <laughs> it's been nine years since the cinematic universe launched, and in that time. $11 billion was earned. Think about that. $11 billion on these films so far. That's justifiably so because this is just, it's, it's such a treat to sit back and just enjoy these things. It really is. 
my hats go off to Marvel and Disney, all the creators that were involved in all of these movies and all these projects. Uh, you know, the spinoff and the, and the Netflix series, uh, the ABC stuff. We got one called Cloak and Dagger coming out that looks interesting. You know what? This is not an easy thing to do. It, it's when it comes to entertainment. This is this is probably the greatest feat that I've ever seen in the history yeah. of, of and, entertainment. And, yeah. What what could you could possibly compare a ten year run next to? The, there's nothing. Nothing compares to this. Nothing. No, it's certainly not something that's been generated purely in film. I mean, you could argue that something like Harry Potter was a similar kind of feat, but the thing is, is that that was all there to start with. Yes. It was all written down before they got started. Yeah, they just um, followed the script. Yeah, exactly. I And certainly, was, and, and I think we will look back on this as a, as a golden age of, of entertainment. I agree. This, this will not... When, I mean, let's not... Let's be realistic. This will not last forever. No. Yeah, there will come a time, probably within the next decade, where people have, have will have had enough of this type of movie, and they won't go and see them anymore. Yeah, and and even, you know, the people behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe today, you know, there are some key people in those roles who who eventually will retire, or want to do something different. Want to do something different, yep. and at that point, other people will come in, and it probably will the quality will go down, or it will certainly change. Um, and whether it will stay at this level forever um, beyond the next couple of Avengers movies, I really don't know. But um, it's been a pleasure to 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 be our age, to understand the source material, to have kids in the age group that we have them, that we can show them these movies and know that they're going to buy the toys and play the video games and they're going to be running around the backyard pretending to be Iron Man or the Hulk. Man, this... It, it's it's a freaking pleasure. I know there's times that I complain about stuff on this show. I get it. Yeah. I'm not complaining about any of this. This is it's a pleasure. It's an honor to be around when this is happening. I, I couldn't be happier. And I'm a Star Wars fan, first and foremost. Yeah. But I gotta give it up to what they've done. I was always a Marvel guy growing up. I I like the DC books too, and I loved Batman. But I don't know, there was always something about the Marvel universe and comics that was a collective whole and they've replicated that and taken it to a whole different level cinematically that quite honestly david i didn't think was possible i really didn't think was possible and yep. they they they've exceeded any expectations i could have had now obviously they're not doing it for my expectations they don't even know who i am they don't care but you know what i'm going to be selfish here and say you know these movies, um, I, I held to a high standard before they even came out, and 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 they exceeded it. I mean, it, I'm I'm constantly blown away, just like you are. Yep, it's uh, it's been a thing of beauty, and uh, yeah, I hope it continues for a good long time. Um, and for anybody who's been listening to us rave on about this, thinking, "Oh, you guys, well, these movies are terrible." What well, you know, they're, they're for kids and that sort of thing. Give them a watch. Give one or two of them what the, what the best ones we've mentioned a watch, and just see what you think of you. Because there are some people, I you know, I, I know people who say, "I would never go and see a movie like that." Just just the subject matter, the fact that it's superheroes, just means that they are not interested in them. And and what all I would say is is there's more to these films than you might imagine. And they and they're not just, you know, there are there are big entertainment franchises that are just you know kind of um, intellectual popcorn, 
you know, they are there to provide a spectacle and entertain. You, you know, can go Michael, as deep as you want with these movies, yeah, but the yeah. thing is, every single one of these movies stands on their own. You don't have to and, watch and, any and, other movie to to get what's going on and to thoroughly enjoy it. And and also as well, they have a heart. They have yep. something to a, say. They have a soul. We, yeah, exactly. There are there are as I say, there are entertainment franchises. I, you know, the Fast and the Furious comes to mind, where where it's just about spectacle. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're not really trying to say anything profound. They're just trying to entertain you for an hour and a half, two hours. And you know what? There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I will never diss anybody who enjoys that sort of thing. I like some of those movies too, because sometimes you just want to be entertained. You just want to see something. You just want to see stuff blow up, or or um, you want to be scared, or you want to be um, thrilled, or, or something like that, and you, you, you don't want to put any mental effort into it and really have anything that's complicated. But there are other movies, and I think that the majority of what we talked about this afternoon fits into this character, fits into this category. These are movies that will stimulate you. They will make you feel something, not because they are Oscar-worthy performances, though in some cases I would argue that some of them are, um, but they are, they have, as you say, they have a heart, they have a core to them that's real, and it's more than just about capes and cows and and explosions and and battles. And these you movies, know, there's something else there to them. Yeah, and these movies are going to stand the test of time, just like Tech Fan. And we want to thank you guys for listening to. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to do that to right then. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, we we really do appreciate you guys listening to uh, this episode, our special 300th extra long episode. We encourage your feedback. Let us know what you guys thought about our conversation today. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Which one do you think missed? Let us know. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can go to mymac.com and find the show notes as well as techfanpodcast.com. Find us on Twitter. Uh, at Tech Fan Podcast, and we are, of course, on Facebook. So, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. We'll be back in a week, and uh, we'll see you then. See you later, David. See you then.